It's Monday, July 4th. A happy July 4th to you. If you're among the, the uh, American subscribers to Real Talk, our American friends, a happy July 4th to you. Jesperson here with John Hicks after a week out of studio. It's great to be back. We have a ton to catch up on. My man, how you feeling? I'm feeling okay. Yeah, I got the... Uh, I'll be honest. I got the bug. It was yeah. me. It the was bug. me. Got the bug. Yeah. You, got, you, got, you got smoked by it. And, uh, I did. And, and it sounds like despite your... Uh, triple vaccinated status. Yes, it was. Uh, it put you through a little something over the last number of days. Yeah, I got one shot here in Edmonton and two while I was in BC, and then I got a text because they didn't know I got the ones in BC to get another uh-huh. booster, and I almost took that other free booster. But yeah, I know yeah. there's more people who need it more than me. But yeah, just four days of just I was in a fog. You know, I was texting you. You're like, what is this guy saying? Well, yeah, no, <laughs> we just wanted to make sure you're doing all right. It's great to have you back. And, I'm uh, great. Started testing negative on uh, Thursday, but, you know, double tested all the way until Sunday and said, you know, it's time to come back. Yeah, Let's you want to want to make the right call. You want to handle it right. It sort of served as a good reminder. You know, we hear people saying like, it's not over. It's still happening. People are still getting sick. A lot of people are like out and about sort of like doing their best for life to return back to normal. They want their summer to feel like summer, like it did two or three summers ago. Best summer and, ever. Uh, best. Yeah, geez. <laughs> and healthcare professionals are sitting there. I, I see it all the time. It seems like on my social media, I see it a lot. Uh, doctors, respiratory therapists, nurses going, we're still seeing it. It's still happening. It's and, here. And it struck our studio, so to speak. So. And the variants, they get around some of yeah. those shots. So, uh, you know, be careful. Still stay safe out there. So Yeah, well, we're, we're going to set, like I said to you earlier, we're going to try to keep your workload light this week. And, oh, come uh, on. You know, it just, it just means, uh, no, we're, we've got a lot to catch up on. Of course, a lot happened. Canada Day and everything that goes along with that. There was the, this James Top, this veteran arriving in Ottawa. We got Pierre Poliev releasing videos. Uh, like I said in my tweet today, fondling fur. Oh, uh, Charles Adler wants to get in on that in just a Stanley second. Stanley Cup was awarded. Yeah, how about uh, the Avs, eh? Just... I felt like everything kept happening. Roe v. Wade. I was like, this is a bad week. To be I mean, sick. that was kind of the big one. And so yeah. and uh, obviously that that Supreme Court decision down in the United States, a lot of people saw it coming. Justice Samuel Alito had had that that uh, sort of uh, what do you want to call it? Like a position paper. That's not the technically correct term. But yeah. but that had leaked a while ago. And so it put it on everybody's radar. People were talking about it. And obviously we'll hit that from a number of angles uh, as part of a continuing conversation, including uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll talk to Joyce Arthur from the uh, Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada today. Coming up in just a second, we'll talk to the Titan of Talk, Charles Adler, in his regular Monday spot here on the show. We got a lot to get into with him. Did you notice last few days, Chuck actually shut down the comments I feature on his tweets? Yeah. I want to ask him why. See what happened there. It's not like the guy hasn't sort of had a few grenades lobbed his way before, but. Yeah. Well, it's your prerogative. Everyone needs. Maybe it was a mental health break. You know? Yeah. Maybe it was just a, a time away. You know. Ask him what's going on with that. I know he wants to chime in on some of the things that have been happening with regards to provincial politics here in Western Alberta. Oh yeah, BC's Premier John Horgan uh, stepping away. Says he not stepping away, but he says he won't seek re-election as well. It's, he's had a couple of of battles with cancer that have taken their toll on him. He says right yeah. now. He says I don't technically have cancer right now. He goes, but I know what's coming up over the next little bit is going to be another fight. Rough. And uh, and so he's stepping. So, yeah, a ton is going on. We I'm sure we're probably missing here. like 10 things here. We're going to talk to Sergeant Kerry Shima as well 
of the uh, RCMP. He's, he's part of what, what's known as Alert's ICE unit. And so Alert is like a, and we'll get Sergeant Shima to, to sort of clarify exactly what this is, but it's different law enforcement agencies, right? So you have like municipal police departments working with uh, the RCMP and other law enforcement agencies. The ICE unit is the Internet Child Exploitation Unit, a 13-year-old girl from our hometown of Edmonton, uh, gone missing on June 24th, just found investigators tracked her down in Idaho, uh, wasn't no Oregon, pardon me, in Oregon, one of the West Pacific yeah. Northwest states uh, in Oregon on, I believe it was July 2nd. So she's gone for about a week. And we're going to talk about not just that story, and we won't get into it specifically, but Sergeant Shima uh, and his team did work on that case. We're going to talk about what you need to know. I mean, what are the tools that predators use? And and, and don't take every single element of our conversation as, as though we're uh, sort of projecting that onto the story of this 13-year-old. It's not necessarily what we're doing, but it's a, it's a talking, it's an opportunity for us. Uh, we'll call it like a jumping off point to start getting into and start better understanding what parents, guardians, who knows, educators, caregivers need to look for with regards to what's happening online and, and how these predators... Uh, sneak up and misrepresent themselves, the techniques they use, what what people need to know, what you need to know to prevent that from happening in your own home. You go, it's not going to happen in my own home. I think that's what everybody says until it happens in their own home. So that conversation is going to happen here today in about a half hour's time. That's Sergeant Kerry Shima with the RCMP. The show happens because of our amazing sponsors like the team at Bitcoin Well, who wants us to remind you that they've got this new online product. You can check out BitcoinWell.com on their website. They can facilitate the purchase of Bitcoin using e-transfer now. Uh, why would you do that? Well, it's the fastest and safest way to buy Bitcoin online. You can understand why by following the links on their website. Lots of great informative resources there you can sign up for an account you can try buying with e-transfer takes just a couple minutes to set up the first one and then every purchase after that can be done directly from your banking app now you're going well hang on a second i'm hearing all about the price of bitcoin right now we're not telling you to buy it not telling you to sell it but if you have questions you want to do it easily safely do what's right for you go ahead and contact the team at bitcoin well you'll find them under the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, of course, we look forward to Mondays. It means we get to check in with our uh, good pal, the RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner. He's got an Emmy up on the shelf. Uh, Charles Adler joins us Mondays here on Real Talk, and I literally don't even know where he's checking in from today. Is it Vancouver? Is it ah? It's Winnipeg, Chuck. We can always tell you join us from your your red plaid palace. It's nice to see you back on the show. <laughs> it's it's where I'm temporary. My secret uh, location in, in, uh, in Manitoba right now. Location changes from time to time because it's a. Uh, it's not easy being me. It's fun being me, but it's not easy being me. By the way, how do you like my new uh, Real Talk ball cap? Oh, I knew you were going to grind. I knew you were going to grind my gears about this. We we do have one here. You want to know the problem? You want the actual behind the curtain truth? Well, is it clear? You, you've got a supply chain issue, and it's the fault of uh, Justin Trudeau, no doubt. We well, you nailed it. Okay, next. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Blame Trudeau for everything, and it works. Hey, let me ask you this. I mean, we've got a million things to catch up on. Quite frankly, I don't 
think it matters what order we go in because all of them are issues of importance. But on a personal note, uh, I noticed that you and you've, you've been one that will engage people online. I mean, it's, it's, it's where typically we kind of see your prose show itself from time to time. The, the, the way that you speak to people, the way you articulate your political opinions like not many folks can. But you've recently shut down the replies on your tweets. What's going on with that? I shut, I shut them down for you know a few hours. I opened them up again uh, recently. I just wanted to give give it a break because uh, for some reason, I guess uh, whatever whatever it was. Oh, I think it was the the China thing. Remember that uh, China tweet, which I which I will admit wasn't uh, written with the usual amount of uh, caution. It wasn't as edifying as some. I was just responding very viscerally, very quickly to our old uh, colleague uh, Daniel Smith, who talked about lockdowns and Al- Alberta was was locked down. And you know, I think about lockdowns. I think about China. And I say to myself, you know, I can't stand lockdowns. I can't stand China. I can't stand communism. But, but those are the creeps that do real lockdowns. And I said that, you know, I, I'm almost embarrassed about the fact that, you know, if if Xi had been running Alberta with with a lockdown, you know, there would be far fewer deaths because lockdowns are are horrible. And yes, people die of of of, of the horrible mental illness that they're experiencing and and are, are committing suicide and, and damaging people around them and children. But in terms of COVID deaths. They have fewer COVID deaths. Anyway, so people landed on me, even people who know me, and decided to see this as a great reveal that Chuck Adler, the the, the unapologetic capitalist, the unapologetic free enterpriser, is indeed a Chicom, is indeed a supporter of Chinese communism. And so they were going after me days and days, ratios, and I just thought I'd, I'd give the, the stupid thing a break because as far as I'm concerned, I'll just be very direct if you don't mind. Do you mind me dropping the nuance uh, for just a moment of being yeah, direct? Please. Okay. Message to anyone who thinks of me as a communist, Chinese communist, and other, otherwise, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thank you, clear. Brian. Crystal clear. Thank you for the opportunity. Crystal clear like Pepsi. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I've seen it, uh, and this is just anecdotal, but just even. Earlier this morning, I saw that Andrew Coyne, the national political commentator, said the same sort of thing. He said my mentions these days. Let me see if I can track down the actual tweet he had, Chuck. I don't know if you if you saw this, but he just basically said, like, my mentions these days are such a waste of time. Like, I don't think he even knows or, or I'm not sure if he's finding that. He says my mentions these days are almost entirely made up of covid deniers, anti-vaxxers and anti-Ukraine trolls. Uh, most of them anonymous, few with more than 50 followers, many created in the last six months, hundreds and hundreds of them all day, every day. What a waste of time. Uh, it's the, it's I, think the kind of saying, I think he's saying, I don't think Andrew finds it a waste of time for him. I think he's finding they are wasting their time. Yeah. And frankly, you know, I get the same stuff. Andrew and I share a lot of the, the same trolls, the same creeps, the same political groupies, whoever they are. Uh, and while I, I agree with him that it's a waste of time for, 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 for them, I, I also think sometimes it's a waste of time for us to try to be respectful, bend over backwards to be respectful, and read some of these things. It, it, it does take up a considerable amount of time. And, of course, I, I see it as eye pollution. You know, I take it personally in the sense that it's my account, and I don't want my account to be larded and, and loaded with all of this this vulgar nonsense. I mean, I want to have a, a Twitter account, a way of communicating with, with my, my friends and followers frankly, all over the world, naturally, most of them in Canada and the United States, I don't want to turn it into a sewer. Mm. Uh, Tony's with you this morning, and uh, she says, "Ah, oh, Chuck, you had me at fuck you. So there you go. You you, you resonated with Tony this morning. Uh, let me show you this Hi, video. There, there's a lot to, to talk about. Uh, we'll get to Pierre Pulyev 
fondling fur, uh, stroking studs, if you will, in just a second. But but you mentioned Danielle Smith. Uh, it makes sense for us to 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 shuffle up our order, Johnny. If you can tee that video up for me, uh, Danielle Smith wants to lead Alberta's conservatives, the United Conservatives, into the next election. She's seeking the leadership of the party. So is another former leader of the Wild Rose Party, Brian Jean, who made waves. I think it's fair to say across the country when this video surfaced this week. Check this out. His take on vaccines. COVID killed people, a lot of people, but so did the vaccine and so did the mandates. All right. COVID killed people. So did the vaccine. So did the mandates. You took this on. I mean, you know, if, if this is if this is what you need to do uh, to appeal to your so-called base, uh, you, you may get your base, but, but you'll never get Alberta because it, it's the worst stereotype of Albertans. You know, the you know, that they're ignorant, that they're, they're anti-science, they're anti-reality. I'm not suggesting that some aren't, but there are ignorant people in New Brunswick and British Columbia, Manitoba, all over the place. But if that's who you're appealing to, people who believe that, yeah, COVID killed people, but so did the vaccines. Where's the evidence that vaccines are killing people? Mr. Jean, Mr. 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 Premier, you know, if, if you win this thing, because it's not, you know, folks have to remember across the country, he's not just running for the leadership. Whoever gets the leadership of the United Conservative Party becomes the premier. So p- putting aside that this, this, this kind of crap doesn't unite all conservatives, whether they're conservatives in Canada or conservatives in Alberta, the idea that a premier in this country is talking like, you know, some guy who marches beside Polyev in a, in a so-called freedom, freedom rally. I mean, I'm sorry, as a premier, you've you got to be better than that. Yeah, you're talking about, I think you're referencing this veteran, James Topp, who's marching and marched through Ottawa uh, leading up to Canada Day with with Pierre Polyev joining him and walking alongside him. Uh, It's been interesting to follow what Mr. Topp has has been up to, a a Canadian veteran uh, for a number of years, of course, protesting things like vaccine mandates and and, uh, the the differences in opinion of people that are saying, I see some folks saying, well, this is, you know, this this is the guy that wants to be Canada's next prime minister, you know, marching alongside these these deniers, marching alongside these, uh, you know, these shit disturbers, essentially. And then and then I've seen other people, friends of mine, personal friends of mine that are going, ah, finally, finally, a leader, finally, a politician that will listen to all people, finally, a politician that has time for everybody. How would you respond to that? Well, you know, spend some time with the people that uh, Top spends time with. Spend some time with the people Top spends time with who are basically uh, supported by, I'm, I'm going to use the N-word here, Nazis, Nazi sites. They, they went on a show recently, a podcast recently, with, with a guy who also is a Canadian veteran. And Lord knows I, I respect the, the, the military. I owe them my life. But so what? If some people do some crazy things, you know, in, in, you know after they leave the service. And one of the crazy things that some people do is they begin podcasts where they're supporting January 6th, where they're supporting an insurrection, where they're supporting the overthrow of the United States government, where they're saying that Canada needs January 6th and that the convoy is a wonderful way of having January 6th. And Top appeared on a show with that guy. And no, no, Mr. Top did not challenge that guy. Mr. Top held hands with that guy. When I say old hands, I'm talking, you know, metaphorically here. So when, when Pierre Polyev and other people say, oh, people like Adler, people like Adler, you know, they're against Canada. They're against veterans. Please, 
I'm against stupidity. Yeah. It is stupidity to say that vaccines are killing people. And it's stupidity to hold hands with someone who wants to overthrow the government of Canada. Yeah, this might be. Uh, this might be is actually the nicest. The nicest thing I can call it. It's, it you know, some people would say that's kind of, that, that that's kind of like treason, isn't it? Well, the whole thing about and and I don't know if I, w- I really want to walk down this path. I'm starting to f- feel I, I see the red flags in the distance, Charles. But I'll still offer this hot take: is I, I don't automatically believe that just because someone has served their country that they cannot be criticized. I don't believe that the the, the Canadian military, the, the the Canadian Armed Forces, is like this sort of holy grail that you must not touch. Oh, he's a veteran; you better not criticize him. Oh, she served her country; you better not take aim at at uh, what she said on the re- record or what she wrote online. I mean. I, I think more than anything to me, uh, if I first of all, if I see someone, if it's November 11th or I see someone wearing fatigues or whatever you call them walking around, I'll typically as I walk past them say thank you for your service. And I mean it sincerely. And I'm grateful for people that serve in the military. But if you're an asshole, it doesn't matter to me if you were a veteran or not a veteran. You're still an asshole. Right. Like to me, people go, oh, James Top is a veteran. And, and by well, the way, some folks have said, by the way, technically, I don't know if this is a nuance or worth sinking our teeth into, but people have said technically to be perceived as a veteran, you've got to be honorably, honorably discharged, which he has not been to this point. But I digress. Right. I don't know if that's right. important. I just right. don't think that it makes it. Oh, right. you can't criticize someone they served. Well, look, I mean, I grew up thinking the greatest public service you could do was to defend Wayne Gretzky. OK, and um, so Semenko was the great defender of, of Wayne Gretzky, the great, great enforcer. And God love uh, Semenko, Dave Semenko. But if, if, if he were to, you know, do some of the things that we're talking about here, I wouldn't say, well, you know, I want to give him a pass because, hey, look at what he did for 99. Can't do it. Can't live that way. Let's get to this video. And uh, I mean, it's accomplishing exactly what it's supposed to accomplish. Let me acknowledge that uh, Pierre Polyev, who is seeking the conservative leadership, he's, he's quite frankly, Charles, the only one that people are talking about. He's the only candidate people are talking about, and some astute subscribers to this podcast, to this show, will say, uh, you're part of the problem, Jesperson, because you keep bringing him up. But we can't ignore these videos of his that are wildly successful, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views, but some of them somewhat curious, like this one that came out over the weekend. This is not the full video. We've taken two snippets of it to set the tone. Here he is. Look at these scars. Each one of them represents the swing of an axe by a logger converted by hand logs into posts and beams that became the bones of barns that dotted the countryside of Canada. When we bring these boards into our house is we are reclaiming something that was already there. And that's what my campaign is about. It's not about inventing some brand new utopia out of scratch. It's about reclaiming the freedom that is our natural right. Okay, so there you go. The video itself about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, we missed 420 by a few months. Uh, you know, it does, it does remind me of some bad parties. I, I, you know, I haven't been a good boy all my life. I ran with some bad folks uh, for a while. And Chuck, it's all legal. They, they ingested some things and, and came all to all legal kinds now. of conclusions. And, and they, they thought it was deep, right? We had these discussions, these bull sessions, and everyone thought they were going. Anyway, that's what probably ever mind. He thought he was going deep with the with the bones of the barns and the wood and the axes and the, the trees. And 
I, I, mean, I know we're supposed to take this seriously, but every now and then. Not everything know. has to be serious. <laughs> but it's an interesting, I mean, like he's kind of he's kind of getting into the idea of it, it's just a different way of presenting that same message, which is take yeah. back Canada, right? Take take, ba- take it they, back. Take, take, take back the good old, you know, yeah. and the, the people who people the people who love this the most are the old stock Canadians, sixth generation. Seven. You're, you're one of those, aren't you? Like fourth or fifth or sixth generation uh, Canadian, Ryan? Yeah, like the, yeah, the sixth generation is, is currently being raised on the Jesperson dairy farm. That's right. Yeah, there you go. So uh, so there are a lot of folks like you who want things to be the way they were in your great, great, great grandfather's mm-hmm. day when he was still using stools, I guess, to to, to yank on the udders. Right. Back, I back wouldn't then. know, Charles. There's no calluses <laughs> on these hands. <laughs> All, right. All right. We don't. I'm just trying try to, you know, channel. I think that's how they did it based on some well, of the cartoons Paulie was talking about, yeah. uh, you know, Paulie was talking about the old, you know, the guys, the lumberjacks. So I thought we'd go back to the, the dairy farmers. But anyway, the thing is that there, there, there is a demand in this country, especially among some cultural conservatives, to, you know, wind back the clock, to take Canada back to the way it, it used to be. And, you know, some people will even use the R word. I'm not going to throw that in. I'm going to say, well, that's a racist. Man, I, I'm not going to go there. Uh, but, you know, some, some people I see it that way, that, that, that they want Canada pre pre-diversity, okay? So it's not fair to say that that's exactly what Polyev's talking about, but he's certainly, I mean, it's kind of like the, the MAGA, the Make America Great Again. Uh, it's, it's, it's that same theme. Uh, you know, the, the, some people, maybe not just some, are seeing our society becoming unglued in some ways. And they've got this hope, they've got this prayer uh, that, that somehow things can become less chaotic again, kind of the way it used to be. There's always that, that, that nostalgia thing going around. And I think that's what Polyev is, is selling here. And for some people, hey, it's an effective sale. Do you, do you uh, like, is it, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm watching our live chat right now, for example, and, and, and a few people are saying, like, for example, Shirley says, I watched the entire video. I was transfixed uh, because it is kind of like, and I watched it and I was, I was just kind of going, where is this winding up? Like kind of, where is this going? And, and I get it. It's, it's a, it's a sell job. Like, it's kind of funny. I, I went back as well, and I'm not I, I'm far from fluent in French, but I but I watched it en français as well. You can see the video on his Twitter as well in French. And and it's like the same when, when you see someone recreate these like pensive moments where he's like trying to find the right words. But then he does it again in French. And it's just it, it, it's just like a it feels like an audition tape for a drama yeah. school, you know, and it's just it's kind of comical, uh, but it's working it's working. Yeah, no, hey, listen, He's going to be the leader of the Conservatives, and he might be the next Prime Minister oh, of Canada. And, and absolutely right. And absolutely. the comment here from Shirley says, uh, "She says yeah. I was I was transfixed, and then I was scared." She says that is our next Prime Minister. No, should Shirley be scared? I mean, when you watch to the end of it, where you might have been chuckling a little bit, Charles, but I'm sure you also had a couple of thoughts that you know you'd like people to chew on this week. Well. I like Barnwood. I've got nothing against Barnwood. I've, I had a, a cabin, uh, you know. It's not about the in, wood. And we had we had we had Barnwood this and Barnwood that. It was it was nice. But uh, you know, when when I see someone saying that the tree speaks to me, you know, the the wood speaks to me, and I, I'm gonna you know develop something here, I get I get a little turned off. I, plus, he mentioned, you know, I mean, I am a history buff. I must admit, and and he got his history wrong. He starts talking about the, the Magna Carta and the. The common people, you know, protesting to the king. The common people had nothing to do with it. Common people were doing all the work. The nobles were making all the money. The nobles found that they were now having to give more money than necessary to the king. 
they got very cheesed off and they had this Magna Carta. But the Magna Carta had nothing to do with common people. Charles, when this all winds up, uh, and, and when when the conservatives, when those that are you know holding memberships choose their leader, and when they head into the next election, do you believe? Let's assume, and this is unfair to to Mr. Sheree, and it's unfair to Mr. Brown and Dr. Lewis and and everybody else, Mr. Baber, and everybody that that wants to life. Be, life is not fair. Let's stipulate life is not life's fair. not fair. Uh, you could ask the same question. I mean, it's the same conversation. It's the same premise. It's the same concept about whoever wins the United Conservative Party leadership. And we've spoken to several of the contenders already, whether you think it's going to be uh, Rebecca Schultz or whether you think it's going to be, you know, Rajin Sani or, or whether you think it'll be Leela here or or another leader. Uh, you know, people are going to say with the, the position that these candidates take to convince conservative members that they're the best choice. We saw it with Aaron O'Toole as well. You win the leadership by appealing to the conservative members, but then you've got to appeal to the country or then you've got to appeal to the province. You said the exact same thing about Brian Jean. You said that may be how you win the conservatives, but that won't be how you win the province. Uh, do you believe there could be too much damage done to the conservative brand yeah. under Pierre Polyev? Or do you think that a lot of disenfranchised liberals, do you think that people that wouldn't have otherwise been inclined to vote, you think that people that may have voted for Maxime Bernier and the People's Party may come back to the conservatives based on what they're seeing from Pierre Polyev? Well, he certainly he, he will certainly poach people from Maxime Bernier's party. And I guess what yeah. he's hoping for is he'll get some people who never vote. I, I, I think Pierre Polyev is a very smart guy and a very smart strategist. I agree. And a very effective tactician. And I think he does blow everyone away running for the conservative leadership. But I don't think Pierre Polyev's crazy enough to think that the liberals are going to go for that message or the so-called uh, disaffected liberals. The disaffected liberals are looking for a moderate conservative alternative, someone who's just like the liberals in, in many ways, in many social ways, but economically isn't as promiscuous with the nation's money. Okay, there, I said it. That's what I would like. And it doesn't matter to me how many times the hard right says, I'm not really uh, for moderate conservatism. Yes. I am. This is what Obama used to say, yes, we can. Yes, I am. But 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 Pierre Polyev is not a moderate. He's not appealing uh, to the moderates. And uh, his wood doesn't speak to me. I'm going to be, uh, as mentioned, talking to Joyce. We're going to have, uh, obviously, a ton of conversations, an ongoing conversation about the, the Supreme Court's decision stateside overturning a 1973 landmark Roe v. Wade decision. We'll talk about what it means in Canada. We'll come to a better understanding of what it means in people's workplaces, things like health care coverage, things like cross-border travel for women seeking uh, medical services and the like. Uh, won't have too many conversations looking like this one, Chuck, me and you, but you tweeted about this, and, and obviously Canadians look to you for common sense takes on Stories like this back on June 26th, uh, right before you and I were slated to last talk, you said you were getting a ton of feedback from conservatives saying you should never again be called conservative because of your views on the overturning of Roe v. Wade. You say my simple message to conservatives who want to strip me of life's most meaningless label. Have at it, guys. Take out my trash. That resonated with thousands of people. Obviously, you can see the numbers on the tweet. But how have you been processing this a week and a half in? Well, a week and a half in, I just uh, say respectfully, I'm not going to use, you know, say what I said earlier, because there I said it. Uh, but anybody who believes that a Canadian, never mind the States, never mind all those countries in Europe and elsewhere, a Canadian, anyone who feels that a Canadian conservative has to demand that a 10-year-old who has been raped must 
carry through with the pregnancy. Any Canadian conservative who believes in forced pregnancy is, in my opinion, not a conservative at all, is a radical, is a lot of things. But I make no apologies uh, for being for Roe v. Wade. I make no apologies uh, for uh, a Canadian woman making up her own mind as to whether or not she wants to stay with the pregnancy. It's her business, not mine. It's it's happening, though. Like it, it, it's happening where people have been talking a lot about, uh, you know, sort of like the, the, the Christian nationalist movement in the United States and and the marriage of, of big American churches and, and the, the sort of Bible Belt movements and the infusion of uh, that ideology into politics. And people have talked about stacking Supreme Courts and people have all of this kind of stuff. And, 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 and it's and it's essentially hasn't it, Charles, because you've seen the feedback on the talk radio lines. And so have I of people calling it fear mongering and, and, and saying that kind of stuff's never going to happen and 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 then all of a sudden it is happening and women's access to to health services to, to the, the basic human rights that, that come as part of that health care uh, are being rolled back in front of us and it could impact more than half of the american states and it's a big deal uh and it's happening in canada as well and people will say that it's not going to happen in canada i don't think that they're paying attention if we were to sound an alarm right now where should people direct their focus well, they should direct their focus to Clarence Thomas, who said within hours, I mean, the, the, the ink wasn't even dry on overturning Roe v. Wade, and Clarence Thomas said that uh, he thought that uh, this allowed him and others to go further. It allowed them to destroy what has been known as equal marriage or same-sex marriage, roll back, tr- you know, trash that, even trash the right that people have to contraception. They'd like to go there. And when anyone says that these things don't cross borders, I mean, are you kidding me? I'm not suggesting we're the same country, but we share so many things and ideas cross borders just like viruses do. And the virus of hard right, radical conservatism in the United States, much of it has crossed our border. I, I, I wish that weren't the case. I get no pleasure in telling you that. You've lived and worked in the United States for, for a, a relatively brief period of your career, but you have been down there. I know you call a lot of Americans dear friends, as do I. Pretty surprising numbers, and, and, and we'll wrap with this. Uh, 38%, a recent poll demonstrates that right now 38% of Americans say that they're extremely proud to be American, which is a huge dip with regards to where that number might usually land uh, when Americans are polled, especially in and around or on and around uh, July 4th. What do you think is the cause of that? You think it, you think it's the last six years or so? Do you, do you think it's January 6th? Do you think it's Roe v. Wade? Do you think it's something else? It's 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 fatigue with, with a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Look, uh, I have family, I have friends, uh, followers, of course, uh, over the years, uh, listeners and viewers, I love the United States. I love what the United States did for me, gave me great opportunities, and those opportunities helped me get other great opportunities in, in Canada. I do not want to be ungrateful to all of the Americans uh, who enriched my life, and I don't want to be ungrateful uh, to all of the American writers over the years who have enriched my view of, of democracy. But it has to be said that things have gone off the rails. And this isn't just Canadians saying this, this is Americans. That 38% number is pathetic. When I was growing up, 78% of people, 88% of people in the United States were extremely proud to be American. 38% is down in the gutter. Charles Adler, the Titan of Talk. You can follow him on Twitter, along with more than 60,000 other people, at Charles Adler. And, of course, you can catch him here Mondays, on Real Talk. It's always great to see your face. Thanks for doing this.
a belated happy Canada Day, and I hope that John is uh, past his uh, symptoms. And I don't know how John feels about uh, Brian Jean telling John that uh, you know the vaccine uh, was 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 going to hurt him. Thank God. John doesn't listen to Gene and takes vaccines. God bless you. It could have been a lot worse for me if I, if I didn't have the vaccine. So, yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. Good point. Thanks, Chuck. We'll talk to you again in a week. That's Charles Adler, Emmy Award winner. Of course, RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner as well. Sergeant Kerry Shima coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, a member, uh, not just a member, he's Operations NCO for the Alert Northern Alberta Internet Child Exploitation Unit. That's coming up in just a second. Uh, these interviews happen because we've got the support of incredible sponsors. And today, it's a real honor. We're super excited to introduce you to one of our newest partners here on Real Talk, and that's the team at Apex Automation. You're going to be hearing a lot about what this team does. You can check them out online right now at apexautomation.ca. They provide intuitive fully autonomous solutions to industry. They give people back their time. And so I said to them, I was talking to Adam and his team at Apex, and I said, help me understand, like just as a civilian, help me understand exactly what you do. He says, well, he says, we go into businesses in any industry, they've got equipment, but they need that equipment. They need that technology to function properly, to function efficiently. So whether it's a, a, a timber mill or whether it's a brewery, the team at Apex Automation helps these systems function the way they're supposed to. Oh, and by the way, they're always hiring as well. We're going to hit a number of angles as we get to know Apex Automation together, but you can find them today online at apexautomation.ca. You know, our friends at Park Power, we often talk to you about the internet, electricity, and natural gas service provision. We talk about bundling their services and how that can save you money. But have you checked out their blog recently? Some great resources here on, on things like natural gas. And most recently, uh, just over the past few days, they put up a new post at parkpower.ca about the government of Alberta's electricity rebate program. Now, they've recently been made aware of several phishing scams related to this electricity rebate program. We want to make sure that you don't fall for that hook, line, and sinker. So today's a great day to learn more about that program. And, of course, find those red flags. Make sure you protect your bottom line at parkpower.ca. It was so great. We're going to be reviewing the Real Talk Golf Classic a little bit later on in the show. We'll show you some photos. A beautiful Jeep Wrangler out there on the tee box at 14. A nice par 3. That hole-in-one contest. Nobody won the Jeep. Not this year anyway. But it was supported and sponsored by our friends at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. Whether it's a Jeep, whether it's a Ram 1500, maybe the big one-ton Ram 3500s, or maybe you're looking to downsize, get into something four-cylinder, a little more fuel-efficient. The teams at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge have you covered. You can shop their inventories online or go see them in person. You make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. And before we move on to our next interview, we wanted to remind you about the opportunities at Infinity Healthcare. Now, of course, you know that they work in home care, so they work with families that say, listen, we just want to ensure that our loved one is getting the care that they need. We want to make sure they're eating, want to make sure they're getting their vitamins, want to make sure that the, the litter box is getting changed for their cat, want to make sure they have somebody to talk to. This is an investment your family can make. They also work with existing funding through Alberta Health Services. But the note I wanted to make today, they're looking 
to add to team members as well. So you can look under career opportunities. I know right now this is really relevant to a lot of people that have maybe been out of the workforce or maybe what we call underemployed over the last while. You're looking for more hours. You're a skilled worker. Maybe you're a, a licensed practical nurse, for example. This sounds like a good fit for you. You've got that sort of empathetic drive. It's always something you've taken pride in. Why not check them out today? Infinity-8.ca. Maybe you could be the next team member helping people find the reliable home care they're looking for through Infinity Healthcare. Well, this was a story that that certainly gripped the nation and certainly people in our neck of the woods as a 13-year-old Edmonton girl was declared missing. She was reported missing back on June 24th by her family after she didn't show up at school. And for the next number of days, of course, folks felt sick as thousands shared social media posts, as people stapled up missing person posters uh, to, to lamp posts and to tree trunks and everything else that you do to s- try to spread the word when someone has inexplicably, uh, well, basically for all intents and purposes, disappeared. Her name's Lila Smith, and she was discovered by authorities uninjured in a hotel in Portland, Oregon. On Saturday morning, this uh, this uh, arrest of a 41-year-old Oregon man, the recovery of this 13-year-old girl was made possible because of investigators like our next guest, Sergeant Kerry Shima with the RCMP is the operations NCO for the Alert Northern Alberta Internet Child Exploitation Unit, otherwise known as the ICE unit. He served for more than 20 years with the RCMP with postings in Redwater, Hinton, in national security, and more than a decade in the K-Division Serious Crimes Branch. Kind enough to join us this morning. Sergeant Shima, thank you for your time. This is this is obviously, I mean, aside from no abduction in the first place, uh, this is the outcome that people hope and pray for. Uh, this really uh, a remarkable story, but I suppose one that you see far too often, probably more than people realize. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks again for having me on. Um, yeah, and first of all, uh, Huge kudos to all of the law enforcement agencies involved in uh, the investigation, particularly at the back end where uh, there was some international coordination. Um, quite a remarkable story. Uh, and of course, uh, we don't want to see any of this happening in the first place. And um, that's, it, that's kind of our area. And, and we all know that um, some of the... Uh, the investigation surrounded some child luring so hopefully we can uh we can talk about some of that today yeah i want to i want to talk big picture stuff with you and i want to make very clear to our audience and obviously to you you're not in a position to discuss anything specifically related to this case and and quite frankly a lot of it is none of our business our thoughts are with this young girl and her family right now the relief they must be feeling at the same time i'm sure significant healing that's going to have to happen but generally speaking when something like this happens when a, when a young person uh, is reported missing by family members when investigators like you get involved where do you start i mean do, do you do you automatically to a certain degree assume that there may have been or in some circumstances probably was some contact uh, between a young person and their abductor like can you take us into the psyche and how investigators approach a case like this well and it and it does especially in this day and age um and I mean, I'm a little, I'm a little biased, and have some more experience than than you know street level investigators with uh, the internet crime. So that's something, yeah, that's something where we're we're going to go right away. Um, 
typically with kids, that's it's probably a pretty safe assumption that they're going to be at some point speaking to someone that they don't know on the internet. Uh, it's a very big place. And um, regardless of some of the, the safeguards that we have in place uh, on the platforms or, or on these applications, and even through uh, household rules or school rules, Kids are going to find a way or someone's going to find a way into their lives. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, some children wind up in some pretty precarious situations. Obviously, completely unaware of who they're actually talking about. Uh, you interacted with uh, someone who I know to be a real talker. I appreciate Sarah Zem's tweets to the show. Um, on July 2nd, she shared, and maybe you can explain exactly what this is, Sergeant, to those of us that don't know. She said, check your kids' discords. Uh, Sarah says, that's where I found the predator that was trying to lure my kid. They followed all the textbook steps, not knowing I had taken over the conversation. You amplified that message. You said it's real. You said if you're not switched on to what your kids are doing, child luring can happen in your own house. No matter who a parent is, no matter how old their kids are, this is the type of message from an expert like you that's going to cause people to stop in their tracks. So let's start. What's Discord? How is this happening? Let's talk about some of the techniques that these predators are using. Discord is just another it's another platform that's really popular around the world. It's not just for it's not just children. It's a gaming platform um, where people are going to communicate about the video games that they're playing or online um, experiences. There is a social media aspect to that uh, that application as well, where people can communicate privately and openly. And um, it's not unlike a lot of more, uh, some of our more, I guess, for us, for us older, older people, um, uh, Facebook or um, Instagram, where you can communicate with people. But it's, it's primarily a place for kids to gather or people who are gamers to gather and communicate with each other. And uh, just like, just like anywhere else where there's um, where there's children, there's going to be people who are looking to exploit them. And these are um, target-rich environments where predators know that this is where kids are going to be. And the grooming that um, your, your real talker there didn't uh, outlined um, is typical. Like we're seeing stuff like um, you're, just getting, you're just gaining kids' trust. That's all they're doing. And it's finding things, finding commonalities uh, or, or things that kids like and then um, feigning a commonality so that you can gain their trust or get them talking, um, giving compliments and things like that. Um, and once they gain their trust, typically from a Discord, um, it, it, we use this one as an example. So the kids on Discord will be communicating with someone who they believe is peer-aged their own age or somewhere around their own age or someone that they can trust that person is going to groom them or is going to build some sort of a rapport with them and ultimately move them off of that discord platform to a more private application such as snapchat um or instagram or an application called kick some of these applications have that ability to send pictures images uh videos audio uh, text messages, or I guess not text messages, but um, direct messages. So that's where, and that's where those images start getting sent out or these children wind up in a position where they feel they can't get out and have no choice but to send um, pictures or images. And even in our, you know, our, our worst case scenario, they wind up having to meet with these people because of fear of uh, 
what they might do to family or um, that these pictures and images are going to get out. So mm. that goes into something else I was going to talk about later, sextortion and um, some self-generated uh, child sexual abuse material. But that's how it generally happens. And I'm pretty sure that that's how that tweeter was was think was what i'm pretty sure that's what she was seeing well yeah is, well, let's get into this sergeant is let me clarify so sarah goes on to say uh they were pretending uh to be a 10 year old like you just said they sent pictures and everything obviously that weren't of them uh they said they took her over to is it roblox it's like an online gaming platform is that right roblox uh, they said they tried getting her phone number from there and sarah says once i caught on uh, they were asking for pictures of her in her underwear i mean it happens fast happens super fast sometimes um sometimes we're seeing some of these uh happen just like that like in a matter of i don't know you know a couple dozen three dozen messages and then sometimes it's grooming that takes you know that that covers a period of a month or two or um or longer but i think the ultimate uh the ultimate goal for these predators is to exploit the kids either through obtaining images and videos or actually meeting with them. And, uh, I mean, and to understand what child luring is, a lot of people say, Oh, my child was lured or my child was groomed and they don't understand exactly what that means, but they know generally speaking, child luring is, um, the the offense in the criminal code is section 172.1 subsection one. And anyone who communicates by way of a tele of telecommunications, with a minor for the purposes of uh, there's a the myriad of offenses for the purposes of making child pornography. So um, to be clear, making child pornography doesn't mean you have to videotape um, a sexual assault on a child or something like that. It could be that you're directing these children to take pictures of themselves in underwear and send it to um, that predator. That's making child pornography. It's it's images for with the sexual purpose. Sexual interference, kidnapping, sexual assault. So that's child luring. So anyone who communicates with a minor by way of telecommunications for the purpose of basically every sexual offense in the criminal code is committing child luring. How how does a person like you uh, that has the knowledge and experience that you do, like... <laughs> I just I have to imagine you and your colleagues in this ICE unit, Internet Child Exploitation. It's it's got to be some of the heaviest lifting in law enforcement. Um, I can't imagine the, what you deal with and and the things that you have to process and and the fact that you continue to approach your job every single day. But but you must be aware, uh, more aware, obviously hyper aware of what's out there and who's out there. And I would imagine that if the average person, including me, had the knowledge that you do about who's out there and what they're doing, we probably wouldn't let our kids online at all. And I know that for a lot of parents, they're going to say, well, that's not realistic. And I don't want to sort of like bubble parent or helicopter parent. I want my kids to be, to, to be savvy and to know how to spot the signs of danger and to know what to do in those circumstances. But, but how do you reconcile that balance? How do you find that balance? What do you tell parents that are looking at this story going, that could have been my daughter. That could have been my son. Absolutely. Um, I'm a parent of teens as well. And, um, we're learning on the fly. Like we're our generation. When we grew up, we're in when the lights, when the street lights come on, that's when we come in. And if we don't, we're, you know, you know, you, you know what you're in for with your parents, if you're not on time or you're, or you're disobeying certain rules in the house. Um, 
this is a whole new brand of childhood and growing up where we have the entire world, literally speaking, at our fingertips. And what has to happen is, and we, we never blame the children. Is it, like, the kids do not have the experience that we have. The kids do not have the experience their teachers have, um, their grandparents. So we cannot blame the kids, especially when we ourselves do not understand a lot of these applications. So it is incumbent upon parents, childcare workers, guardians to make the effort and to spend time with their kids online. We need to get engaged. Like we have to get engaged with your kids, build the trust. When something goes wrong, you want your children to know what to do. Mm. And you want them to be able to stop in their tracks and not continue on that rabbit hole, you know, where it's, where our, um, you know, where your listener there had, had said, like, I, I ran that person through um, the steps. And then they were asking for uh, pictures. And then we don't want those kids going down that rabbit hole. We want them to be able to recognize the signs and then have the confidence in us as parents and teachers and guardians that they can come to us and there's not going to be a massive guilt trip or a lecture or punishment because we've made a mistake online. We'd be hard pressed to find any human being on the planet who hasn't been tricked online by by something. No um, kidding. And this and then this fits right into what I know you wanted to revisit, which is this this extortion angle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you've got like it's maybe easier said than done uh, to convince your child. Hey, listen, we're not gonna there, there's not gonna be punishment. We're not gonna be angry if you need to come with us for something. Um, for a lot of parents, probably the reality might be a little bit bone chilling, but, but, but like you've alluded to a lot of these kids, their, their predator, their, their, their groom or whatever you want to refer to this person as, uh, will hold a certain power over them because they believe they can extort them, right? If you don't do this, we will show this, uh, you know, images or whatever that have already been provided. So, so how do parents navigate those waters? I mean, how do you, I mean, I guess I'm asking you for not just policing advice, but for parenting advice as well. How do you create that type of, of circumstance or, or that type of open sharing relationship between yourself and your kids? Well, and for a lot of for a lot of us, like we're um, I mean, for example, Facebook started what in like 2000, like really started in like 2006 or 2007, which would put our teenager, you know, put our some of our kids at 15, 16, 17 years old. And we haven't had that much experience with that. Um. So we really have to, um, we really have to pay attention to what applications we're, we're dealing with, to, with what um, the warning signs. Like some of our children have, uh, we, we recognize when they're when something's not right, and if you're paying attention to those, like if kids aren't, if kids are withdrawing, if there's a subtle change in their social activity, if they're being suddenly more secretive, and I mean, I know it's hard with teenagers because from one day to the next, I'm not sure. Uh, which way is up or which way is down with them. But yeah. um, generally speaking, we understand, uh, you know, their their baseline behavior. And we need to really pay attention to that. And hopefully throughout their lives, we've, we've built that trust. And they understand that we are the people who they can come to in a moment of danger. Um, it is easy enough. Like, it's easy enough to say, too. I mean, um, I tell my I tell my kids do not put your private parts on the internet. End of story. Like that's that's what it is because you you know we can there are things that we can do to mitigate it if it happens and to try and um, try and get those pictures back. There are things we can do. Um, is it a hundred percent guarantee? No, 
And does it, does it help with the trauma that you're suffering or the embarrassment or um, whatever comes after uh, people have seen it? Um, not necessarily. It helps a little bit, but um, there are some hard and fast rules. Don't put your private parts on the internet. Um, you know, but, but it's really, it is really difficult to, to find a way around it when we all don't necessarily understand it. We all had different upbringings. This is, yeah. diff this is a different world, man. Well, and, 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 and even people think, well, it's not going to happen to me. Right. I know I'm not supposed to put my private parts on the internet, but like, that's like, you know, if you don't know the person, but I feel like I know this person, I've been talking to them forever and mm -hmm. I trust them. They sent me photos and you know what I mean? I mean, it gets into this messy area. How the viewers like Rose are wondering how often, does this stuff happen? I mean, can, can you paint a, uh, would, would we, uh, this would probably be bone chilling for most of us if you were able to actually explain to us how frequently this happens, how often this happens, what the workload looks like for an ICE unit that's looking at internet child exploitation. I mean, what's the landscape like, frankly, honestly? Uh, well, let's like, let's get serious. We've had such an increase of, of, of file intake that we've had to implement a triage protocol uh, this year because we simply cannot get to everything. Um, and if I'm being really frank, like we're, we're letting files go that we were investigating last late, you know, that were serious enough to investigate last year or the year before, because we have so many more serious things going on and we just don't have, uh, you know, it's, it's just like any, it's like any other, any other policing area. We don't have enough bodies. Um, our forensic techs, they do the heavy lifting here and they're the ones who um, mine through all of this media and all the pictures and stuff. They do uh, yeoman's work every single day. And um, they're so we're, we're starting to get a little bit backlogged there because there's just, you know, we go to a house and we seize, you know, we'll, We'll raid a house and we'll seize like three or four or five, six devices. But as everybody knows, you can buy an iPhone that has, you know, 256 gigabytes of storage. That's a lot of pictures. So it takes a lot of time for these guys to go through that. And in some cases, you know, we, we find a dozen images and in other cases we find millions, mm. but, um, the workload is very high We're we're dealing with, um, we're red, we're redlined. Uh, but, um, we're trying to, we're, we're implementing, uh, we're trying to implement, uh, a community engagement team. Um, we're working with our, the alert communications officer to try and get some sort of uh, a strategy out. Uh, we want to put parents in, you know, prevention, education, intervention. And we want to put those parents in a position to protect their killed, their children. And it's very difficult to do when we're just, uh, we're, we're pretty strapped. Um, working files. Um, we're not in schools as much as we can as we can be. Um, I know in Edmonton the uh, the SRO program was basically cut in half, so we don't have those resources in the school putting it putting information out. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really tough for us to get out get out around the province to do anything but enforcement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the workload the workload's pretty heavy, and uh, there there always seems to be. There's always an emergency on our plate, Ryan. Of course. Like, uh, there was one today. You know, this morning something came up and everybody puts what they're doing down and we go to that one. And um, it's it's tough. This And when you talk about the, uh, if, if, if parents are wondering about the self-generated schism or the sextortion stuff, that happens all the time. 
every single day we're getting handfuls of them and we don't have enough time to investigate them all. Um, a lot of them are getting put back out to RCMP detachments to, for them to go out to speak to the parents, um, back to the, you know, patrol in Edmonton to, to go and reach out to the parents. But, um, Carrie, how are these winding up on your plate? Like, how are they coming in? For, I mean, there's probably different ways, but, but I mean, if mm-hmm. you're going to talk to the parents, is it the parents that have reported it? Is it, is it oftentimes youth that find themselves that they don't know who to call? So they call the police. I mean, how, how do these files find their way to the ICE unit? Uh, most of our files, um, particularly the, so we have different types of investigations that we do. So we do the child luring, obviously we do the sextortions. We do, um, a lot of our files that come, a lot of the files that come into us are just possession. So we're, we're getting possession of child pornography files, mostly from Ottawa. So there's the national child exploitation crime center in Ottawa, which is our CMP run. Um, and they oversee most of the ICE units across the country. They triage a lot of these files. Now, a lot of people don't understand how we wind up at their door and they're like, how did you know? Well, in the, in the United States, there's legislation in place that uh, internet platforms, Facebook or uh, applications have to have a mechanism in place to intercept child pornography or child sexual abuse material. And then once that's intercepted, it gets sent to a center in the United States called um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That center is kind of the, the brain for all of North America because then they figure out where this stuff was from. They're like, oh, it's from Edmonton. So we're going to send it up to Ottawa and they can deal with it from there. And then Ottawa will send it out to us. So um, that's how some of that comes in. Uh, we also get some other files that way. But uh, a lot of our files right now and a lot of our emergencies are our, our high priority files are coming in from um, street level police officers asking for assistance. And, um, it's, uh, it's something that a, a child luring or, um, sextortion gone si- really sideways. Uh, a lot of that stuff comes in from, from people reporting to, uh, the front counters or calling into the yeah. police. Do you feel like there's a, like, is there a shelf life for, for someone like you doing the work that you're doing? You, you talk about these forensic techs as well. I can't even, uh, I would imagine that there's a there's a, got to be a mental health angle to that. There's got to be for some of these uh, people working in policing, combing through this stuff like PTSD, not for everybody. But I, I would ima- I, I can't even imagine. I don't know how I would deal with I would experience anger, grief, horror. Like, how, how do you show up to work every single day? I mean, I, I guess maybe as a dad, that probably provides some motivation. But could can you see yourself having maybe a maybe needing to transition to something else at some point in your career? Absolutely. Um, listen, the people I work with are, are an amazing group of people. Um, we have civilians in here. We have Edmonton Police Service members, RCMP members. We're a joint force operation. And there's not a single person here who doesn't want to come in and make a difference every single day. And... Um, right from our intake, we have criminal analysts here who do, um, they tear these people's lives apart to figure out who our bad guy is. Uh, incredible work. Our forensic techs, like you'd mentioned, do the really heavy lifting here and uh, highly trained too. Uh, these guys are amazing. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't stop at us too. Crown prosecutors, we yeah. work with Zebra Center all the time. And yeah, it's, it's tough to come in sometimes when you know what you're about to deal with. But we, uh, 
we, we stick together and um, we've started, uh, we've started implementing um, a pretty robust mental wellness program in our office and uh, for our counterparts in, um, in Calgary ice too. So we're, we're really, uh, we're really working towards um, uh, propping up our members with uh, a lot more support from Ottawa, from Edmonton and, and from the RCMP. So um, yeah, there is a, is there shelf life? Absolutely. You can't, you can't do this for, for a very long time. And um, it's good experience. Very rewarding. We're arresting a lot of people. We're doing a, a lot of good stuff here and, uh, but at the same time, like you said, it is, I'd be lying if I said, uh, it didn't bother me ever, you know, every day you look at this stuff, you can't, uh, you don't, you don't desensitize. People say, are you desensitized? No. Um, you have, uh, like you said, horror, anger, sadness. Um, there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of different emotions when you're looking at some of this stuff and it's not just a lot of this stuff is really, really traumatizing. Like we're seeing some. You know, you see everything from uh, from infants right up to, to teenagers. Sometimes adults get mixed into it accidentally. And sure. you're trying to help them out, too. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people with regards to this specific scenario and the arrest that was made uh, in Portland. A lot of people were wondering why there wasn't an Amber Alert issue. Did that have to do with a lack of information at the time about a suspect or a vehicle description? Why was there no Amber Alert issued? Can you tell us? I don't. I don't know. Um I don't know enough about the investigation, Ryan, to, to comment on that. Um, I know that there's some pretty stringent criteria for an Amber Alert to be issued. And uh, if I were guessing, it would be that they didn't have, they didn't meet the criteria. But okay. I don't have the details as to what decision making process was uh, there. I'll just reference the reporting that was done by uh, this is uh, Gada Al-Sharif, a staff reporter with the S- Star. I'm referencing her story at the star.com and, and uh, I suppose a police uh, spokesperson or, or at least some uh, spokesperson for law enforcement had said that citizen uh, feedback, uh, community closed circuit televisions, I don't know if that was people providing uh, doorbell cameras, or things like that. I, you had seen that plea go out which was really interesting as part of the early stage investigation where police were saying if, if, if you saw anything suspicious, even something that may not have seemed suspicious at the time, but in retrospect, you looked back or a vehicle or or if there was any uh, sort of cameras firing and, you know, with regards to you take a look at your hard drive, what can you provide us this sort of a thing? I would imagine that through an investigation like this, the amount of data uh, you start asking people near a junior high school to all provide doorbell camera footage. I mean, you know, every second house has one now. Uh, there's a lot to go through. Uh, obviously, th- there's some stuff that you can't tell us about how these investigations go but I, I can't imagine the work that went into making that arrest uh, down in Portland when an arrest like that occurs. And I do not mean to diminish or to overlook the healing that this young person will. will I mean, her life obviously will never be the same um, for sure. The same as her family. But at the same time uh, of all possible outcomes, this is one of the better ones. There's got to be a huge sense of relief, including international police agencies working together. What sort of an impact does an arrest like this have, including the opportunity to do interviews like this, to talk to families, to talk to parents, to talk to teens and young people as well. I would imagine this is this is an opportunity to say, hey, here's a, a, a real portrayal. Uh, here, here, this is this is probably going to be hard for some of you to believe, but, but here's what's actually going on right now. And here's what we need you to know about it. Yeah, and I can speak a little bit about the this type of an investigation. Um, 
when I worked over in uh, in homicide, it was we we went after doorbell cams, um, dash cams, and stuff like that a lot of the time. And you are one hundred percent right. The um, the impact that has on an investigative team in terms of uh, labor and time, yeah, it's a it's a lot of work because once you take it, you have to look at it. Um, you could imagine the questions that would be asked in court if we took some information and and didn't actually review it properly. So once that call is made, it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty scrutinized call before it's made because of the amount of work that it's going to cause the investigative team. Um, and in terms of the impact and the opportunity that something like this provides, uh, it's a, you know, and, and again, I'll echo your thoughts. It's, it's notwithstanding the impact it's going to have on the victim here, but uh, yeah, it brings it right to the for- forefront. This is, this is real life. This is what happens in our world every single day. And it's, if we're not, if we don't have our head up and we're not understanding what our kids are doing, they're going to be in a position, whether they act on it or not, they're going to be in a position to be tricked into doing something that they either don't want to do or shouldn't be doing. And uh, it goes back to having a relationship with your children and understanding and making an environment where it's safe and comfortable for them to come to you and tell you that something is wrong. Yeah, It's not their fault. These are kids, man. Like they, they don't know. They don't have the experience. Um, they've probably never tricked anybody. They've probably never tried to obtain something fraudulently like these guys are doing. These are professionals. These are people who are motivated, highly motivated, and uh, are looking are are predators. They're they're bad people. They're criminals, and um, we need to really make that. A lot of emphasis is put on making that environment safe and comfortable for your children to talk to you. That's what that's what it ends up being. I don't know if you're going to want to comment on this, uh, but but let me ask you this in closing. This this 41 year old Oregon man that was arrested in Portland uh, will be charged with child luring, uh, expected to face additional charges in Canada and the U.S. Uh, typically, law enforcement officers don't prefer this question. But do you believe that legislation, do you believe that penalties are are strong enough do you believe do you believe that they act as deterrence i mean is is somebody like this even if convicted even if this person pleads guilty or pleads down to a lesser charge um what does the future look like for them i mean can they be back at it in 18 months with a brand new computer i mean what, what's your opinion on that if you're willing to comment on it yeah i'll comment on that a little bit um i think generally speaking um and in context of our of Canadian law, I believe that our punishments for these types of offenses are sufficient. Now, that's uh, you know a, a professional a professional opinion, and I think that's what I've seen. Um, our prosecutors do a bang up job with our cases, and they're on top of us uh, a lot more than I've seen in some other areas to get these cases uh, shored up and tightened up. Um, are our penalties as, uh, as as steep as the United States? Absolutely not. Um, you see, I mean, we all know we see we see news the the American news and people going to jail for like 199 years or something like that. And um, would we like you know would we like to see that in some cases? A lot of people, yeah, they would. And um, or worse, yeah, or worse, yeah. Um, but in Canada. Uh, 
contextually speaking, I think that we do a pretty good job and I think our laws are in line with everything else mm. right and, now. And consistent with with the yes. rest of the criminal code and consistent with how we approach so-called justice yeah. in other areas. There are days, there are days, Ryan, where I'm sitting here looking at the the same screen I'm looking at right now and um I have some some pretty angry thoughts. Oh I but uh I bet. Yeah, I would. I, I don't want to. I don't want to put you in a tough spot. Starting to speculate and ruminate about all of the ways that I believe that some of these people could or should be punished. And I imagine if we talk to parents of kids that have been abducted, they'll have their own ideas as well. But that's not what we're here to do. Uh, we're here to equip people with the knowledge and the tools they need to to be able to to sniff this stuff out and keep it from impacting their own households. Uh, Sergeant, before we thank you for your time, obviously you have incredibly important work to do today. Uh, is there anything with regards to tips or heads up or red flags for parents that we've not touched on that you'll kick yourself if we don't mention um i think the big thing is they need to be parents first of all need to be in a position to protect their kids and that's incumbent upon them to do and take the time review your kids devices stuff with teenagers yeah but have the conversations with them instead um understand the apps if your kids are on roblox if your kids are on discord if your kids are on snapchat there are parents guides online for all of those and they're easy to read. And the, and the last thing, and probably the most important thing, is that if your kids put pictures on the internet or are being tricked, or you suspect they're being tricked, there is something that we can do. There's a pro- program called Project Arachnid that is run by the um, Canadian Centre for Child Protection out of Winnipeg. And that application, we work directly with them and our victim identification unit in Ottawa. If we get the images that your kids have put onto the internet, we can submit them directly to that program and it crawls the web looking for that image. And when it finds it, it's, it submits a takedown notice to that, to that website. Um, and, the, uh, and, and they also provide a lot of um, victim support okay. as well. So people can check out project arachnid.ca. We're looking at that uh, right now and, and we'll put that into the uh, show notes here on YouTube and on the podcast uh, we're so grateful uh, for your availability this morning, Sergeant. It is uh, incredibly difficult yet important work, life-saving work that you and your team are doing. Uh, you've been hearing from Sergeant Kerry Shima with the RCMP Operations NCO for the Alert Northern Alberta ICE Unit. That's the Internet Child Exploitation Unit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sarge. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for the opportunity to to share the awareness. We, we really appreciate that. Hey, I mean, literally, it could save a life. And uh, we appreciate this. Thanks for this. Uh, I want to put a note out to uh, real talkers, to parents. If this is something that's resonating with you, uh, what about a young person? What about a younger member of our listening audience? If you're connecting with this conversation and you want to share some thoughts with us, if you want to share a story, an anecdote that, that you think could literally save somebody's life, save somebody from a world of grief, you know where to find us. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. How about this note? I mean, you know, I appreciate Cheryl sharing with us in our YouTube live chat right now. She says, my daughter, 14 years of age, got into a high-risk situation, and we only caught it because dad's spidey senses were going crazy, says Cheryl. So I insisted on reviewing her phone, and what I found was terrifying. Cheryl says, teaching our kids didn't matter. We had to be able to monitor their activities. She goes on to say, we felt a lot of parental guilt and shame for being too busy to pay attention. 
She says, I feel for these parents that are doing their best. It's a predator's full-time job. Cheryl went on to say our daughter had a tense relationship with her dad before then, but not after. His instincts saved her life. I just felt sort of like this overwhelming bit of emotion when I read that. I can hear it in your voice. For a family. I mean, you just, you know, you you don't have to be a parent to to be extremely, uh, what's the word, like bothered is not a strong enough word, but to to feel fucking fury over a story like this. You get worked up over it. I don't even want to say, I find this 41-year-old in a Portland hotel room, like, I don't want to say it. It's not productive to say. Because we know what could have happened if he wasn't, if she wasn't found, and it's something actually, you know, me and my wife, were at that age now, everyone asking us, when are you going to have a child? When are you going to have a child? Yeah. This is one of the reasons we're scared huh. to bring a human into this world these days. Like, you don't know if you're up. You don't like, are, am I going to be able to protect? The internet in general is just a horrifying place. But you know, you can't, at the same time, you can't just say like, in our, you're not like Luddites, right? In, in our house, we're only playing board games. Yeah. Nothing wrong with board games, but like, you know. You're, you're staying off technology. Like our, our little guy just finished grade one. We're so proud of him. So excited for him. But like tablets. And I mean, that's part of school. Oh, I mean, yeah. especially with COVID when they were out, when they were learning from home, they, mm-hmm. but they learned that proficiency. But it's they all have their iPad sign ins. They have the programs they use. That's 100%. all. They're, right? I was at I mean, an event this weekend when I finally felt well and yeah. tested negative to go out and uh, just kids at a table at an event three of them they're all on ipads iphones hooked up to battery chargers and i was thinking that ahead of this show because i knew we were going to talk about it i just how it's so foreign to me like and us growing up it was never like that we were never plugged in like that and predators know this yeah i mean it used to be it used to be like when you're out uh, you know, when you're out at the playground and like the van shows up and the kid, the guy yeah. says he needs help finding his puppy or like, yes, don't take the candy. <laughs> like that was kind of it. But, you know, now there's now it's like, uh, you know, it, and, and, and I think it was Dwayne. Someone in our chat said, like, with technology comes the good and the bad. I mean, tech is obviously amazing for helping kids learn and, and explore and create. And I mean, and obviously pressure off a parent, obviously, when you can put them in front of that for 30 minutes. I and get Cheryl it. talks yeah. about the guilt that they felt like we weren't able to monitor it. But who can, I mean, we've every family's been there. Like, I, I need 30 minutes to, like change the laundry or to make like, dinner. do the dishes to yeah. make dinner like dad can i have some ipad time sure you can have some ipad time what are you watching you, you try to listen in the background oh i hear paw patrol okay it's paw patrol yeah. i don't have to worry about it but man you know and how about this from jill i appreciate this too she says i'm not sure how you teach young girls to be to be wary of these predators when some male schoolmates of theirs will engage in the exact same behaviors including sextortion you know but the girl is blamed and you know the boy gets a talking to kind of idea and how about this from tracy who says i had uh, tracy was working in victim services it sounds like she says i had to quit after seven years working with victims because it started to impact the decisions i was making with my own daughter so many times i said no because i was scared i I was appreciative of carrie of sergeant shima sharing that like he is a dad and saying like if you understood the landscape of what you know like uh, I think I think of this in different contexts. Like if you worked in in law enforcement, if you worked in like uh, check stops mm. and you understood how many people are driving impaired, like how many people are actually out there driving impaired, would you let your 16 year old drive? Exactly. Would, you, would, would you let your your elderly mother cross the road in the middle yeah. of the day knowing that people are bombed after Christmas parties at two in the afternoon? You know, if you worked in Internet child exploitation, would you let your kids online? Yeah. If, if you worked in, in, in fraud, would you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how these officers, these law enforcement personnel can ha- live normal lives yeah. knowing what they know. And I appreciated him 
trying to tell us how to moderate all that stuff because you want to be hi- aware. But like you said, being hyper aware can almost be like, what are you going to do? Too Keep much. your kid inside all the time, not let them drive, not let them go on the Internet. I mean, there's bad stuff going on everywhere. But I, I think he was holding back, too, because I, I'm sure it's it's much worse than he was saying. I mean, yeah. now it is. Barbara says it's one of the best interviews she's heard in a long time. There it says there has to be. Uh, more of these interviews on many platforms. Parents need this learning. Barbara, we agree. And and I mean, this may sound self-serving, but you can certainly share our content, smash the like button, let people know where you're hearing this. We tweet out our highlights. You can post them on Instagram. We want as many people as possible to hear this advice, to understand these tips, to know what to look for, right? I mean, you know, Tracy says, personally, we started having these talks with our daughter when she was three, and as a result, she's warned many a girlfriend about the dangers. And Tracy's banging out. You don't have to scare the hell out of your kids when they're three, right? That's not what Tracy did, I'm sure. But you start, you normalize these conversations. You keep yeah. the channels of communication open, right? We even do it. Our little guy, he's six. He's, he's too smart. He's a little too smart. Yeah. I can't trick him as much as I'd like. But even then, I try, you, you, you want to create that, that, that open channel of communication. Hey, listen, you can tell us stuff, right? And, and parents are going to go, yeah, we, we were doing this 50 years ago. I hope so. Yeah. It must be jarring for kids, though. Like, I don't even know because I'm not a parent. But, like, when you were younger and your parents put you in front of the TV at lunchtime when you come home from school, you would never think that that TV is going to try and tell you things that are bad or try to hurt you. Right. But that's literally what iPads, iPhones, like, you have to start explaining to them. Like, there are people on here who are going to try to hurt you, who are going to try to lure you, who are going to try yeah. to lie to you, who are going to try to get things from you. And yeah, that's just, so I don't like envy a, it's, you, it's, my it's, friend. It's like, I it's, don't like envy a, it's like a front door key, isn't it? Like you bring technology into your home and, and, and you, you know, with the pros, you welcome in the risk of some of the cons. And I love this from Alicia. Before we wrap, Alicia says, we got to teach our boys equally. And I know someone will write in and say, You're, it's not all girls that are victims. It's not all boys that are perpetrators. And sure, 100%. But when we talk about things like, let me say it, rape culture and everything else, Alicia's right. We do have to teach our boys equally, both to not be predators and to not get preyed upon. It happens, says Alicia, possibly under even more silence. I think that's one of the comments of the month yeah. right there. There's a, I, Alicia said a lot in three sentences there, and I appreciate it. I saw the other comment about saying how sometimes this happens because, you know, well, boy, I'll ask a girl for a picture, like 14, 15-year-olds. Oh, if you don't show me, you don't love me. And right. Like, this is like young minds forming and emotions they don't understand. And then if a predator was to, you know what I mean? It just, it just opens a door. So, yeah. I'm scrolling back. I'm trying to find context. This is, I, I, I don't necessarily know much about this comment or this, this audience member, the White Hatter. Uh, I appreciate you chiming in. I'm not sure about the work they do, but here's a context or a perspective check. They say since January of 2020, uh, we've now helped 83 teens, all under 18 years of age. The youngest was 13 who were targeted for sextortion, extortion, sexual extortion, you know, extortion. Uh, this is a clear and present threat this is not fear-mongering this is just real talk about stuff that's really going on and it was reiterated this story of this 13 year old girl who thank god uh, thank investigators thank members of the engaged public i mean i saw her aunt had tweeted out said my niece has gone missing please share this missing person's poster with a few photos of her it yeah. had been shared i think something like thirty thousand times i yeah. mean people were mobilizing to try to find this girl and let me also note 
this needs to be said as well. A commenter, I apologize, I can't attribute your comment. I don't know where it is in the lineup, but somebody said, isn't it too bad that not all missing children reports are taken as seriously? I'm glad you brought that and up. And that's I true as well. It's a, it's a direct reference to was, indigenous communities. It's a direct reference to missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. My wife mentioned it over the weekend. She's like, I don't even want to breathe this into the atmosphere. It's but true, like, though. How many missing indigenous young girls and what's the attitude some people might not like like me saying this uh but this is hey from my perspective this is what i see the attitude from people is like ah she's hitchhiking yeah ah she's going to the city yeah right that's kind of the attitude isn't it but look what can happen when we all mobilize for no matter who it is like see what was stopped here yeah and honestly i i don't want to say it either but like after the first two days i was like something bad has happened Mm. because you know those first 48 hours if you don't find someone it's you yeah, know, things get gloomy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. People saying, you know, stranger danger doesn't work. We need to start teaching situational danger. This is the white hatter again. It's hard for kids to understand dangerous people. It's easy them. Oh, I love this comment. It's hard for kids to understand dangerous people. It's easier for them to understand dangerous situations. Totally. That's a great comment. You can keep the comments going. Keep the conversation going. You can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com and we will be more than happy to, to make some time to to read your comments to the show. We love the audience feedback. Don't forget, we also have an email of the month award we give away. It's an official Real Talk studio mug. We'll ship that for free to one Real Talker who sends us an email uh, that really resonates. What we look for in uh, that category, what we look for in rewarding that mug is somebody that kickstarts or perpetuates a conversation, an important conversation, essentially somebody that makes Real Talkers think we want to show you some photos from our real talk golf classic it went on uh what day was it john friday the 20 no it was thursday it was thursday the 23rd of june i barely remember it's been a long time it feels like it's been ages since then we took the friday off and then we had the weekend and then we had the week off but uh all of this in support of the real talk julie rose scholarship before we get there i want to note some of our partners that were there uh that were representing and we're so grateful all four of these partners i'm going to represent were there including the team at Friesen Brothers. How cool of them. They had their big grill out there. Uh, this was a stop that everybody wanted to make on the 14th tee box because oh, you yeah. had the Friesen Brothers Ivan's sausage on a bun and then you had the Jeep Wrangler you could win. So it was a hell of a hole and uh, of course everybody loves those Ivan's sausages. It's an old family recipe. It's made by the real butchers. This sausage, it's not coming in from New York City. New York City! You can get it. Made fresh at Friesen Brothers. Over the weekend by the way, did some pork baby back ribs. I used the Friesen Brothers Hickory Barbecue Sauce. Absolutely fantastic. Baby back, baby back, baby Baby back. Ribs. Good stuff. Local Environmental wants you to keep it local. You know, of course, they do a lot more than just what you might understand to be waste or recycling management. Those big roll-off bins for the construction sites. The front load bins. Maybe you need something a little bit smaller. Maybe a little more permanent for your small family business. But they also... Working in water hauling and vacuum truck services, fencing, portable toilets. I saw a buddy over the weekend. Congratulations to the Milne family. They've just got a new above ground pool. Well, how are you going to fill it up? Well, you're going to get a water hauler. You can figure more out about that. Make it happen at localenvironmental.ca. Don't forget, Local Environmental presenting Trash Talk every Friday here on the show. Mike and his team were out swinging the sticks at our golf classic. Of course, you know Mike. He's the founder of Eden 
landscaping. I could see him looking out on the fairway. I said, how does the grass look? He said, it actually looks pretty good out here at the Ranch Golf and Country (laughs) Club. They're bringing outdoor spaces to life. This is their business. A custom landscape builder with more than 20 years of on-the-ground experience in Edmonton and area. It is not too late in the season. It's only July 4th. You've still got time to get in touch with their team at landscapeedmonton.ca and see what they can do for you. They're not designing your yard for a magazine. They're designing it for you. And they'll never lose sight of their goal, making your vision come to life. You can find Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. Did you get a chance to try one of the Dilly Bar shooters at the golf course? I know you were so busy spinning tunes. I did. And I also, you had ribs. I had Friesen Bro plant-based ribs this Plant-based weekend ribs? Well. Yeah, they were incredible. Bought them at Friesen Bro's. For real? They're made with jackfruit and all this other stuff. And Ooh. my wife cooked them in the oven. They were incredible. So options for everyone at Friesen Bro's. But yes, I did try one of the Dilly Bar shooters. Can I hang on a Dangerous. second? Maybe maybe we could put you maybe like once a week or something like that. You could do the Friesen Brothers because you have it because this and I'm not even being facetious we or silly or we're there every week. But you are there specific like for people that are like observing a plant based diet or a vegan yeah. diet or what have you. They always want to know like, am I? It's the same when you go to a restaurant. It's like, hey, what do you have for vegetarians? And they're like, well, look at our sides menu, <laughs> Caesar well, garden is, salad. Yeah. But that's not it with this store. And I don't want to name the bigger. Ch- I don't want to call them out. But we go to like the regular chain to get our you know normal stuff. Everyone would get you know paper towels, this mm. and that, rice, you know macaroni, whatever. And then we go to Freezing Bros to get like. You know, the great plant-based stuff there. They have We're going to hear from their team. They're like, John, you know we sell rice and toilet paper incredible. as well. Incredible. And they have just have great, they have more, more fruits and veggies. They have like different stuff like dragon fruit and stuff there that's very cool I don't, it just seems like they well, always I think have... it's also just because they're smart they know what's up and they know that more and more people are looking for that stuff exactly yeah. so the dilly bar shooter your review now that you've actually tried it it was good very dangerous though like very if you, dangerous if you, you know i have a feeling you have a 20 of those you wake up in the morning with quite the sugar headache well and the cardinal family showed up they, they're the owners of the dairy queens of northwest edmonton all yeah. five of them and, and and they showed up and they were on the t-box number 10 so they were right there and they had like a cooler of like a huge like a you know like the, the gatorade thing that gets dumped on coach when someone wins a <laughs> national champ they had like that much dilly bar shooter and i said is that whole thing full of dilly bar shooter they said yes and it actually did taste like dilly bar and i thought that's something more that needs to be in a pint glass poured over ice yeah but I think it might be a little much. It might be a little much. But our shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens and show them some love. We encourage you to at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. So every Monday we kick off, and there they are. There they uh, are. There's Michelle Cardinal on the right. So cool to have the Newcastle and Westmount Dairy Queens represented there in the tenth tee box. Uh, our friends at Kubi Energy every Monday uh, give us opportunity. Uh, I love this. They pave the way for us to focus on the positives, to find the joy in life, to remind ourselves that amid the heavy stuff. Uh, there's a lot going on to restore or maintain our faith in humanity. It's called Positive Reflections. And uh, I'm commandeering Positive Reflections again. I did it a few weeks ago when Noah Orville was born, and I wanted to show you photos of our new arrival. This time, we want to take you back to the Ranch Golf and Country Club. This is Thursday, June 23rd, our inaugural Real Talk Golf Classic. John, let's just rip. We gave you so many photos. Um, these are all courtesy of Larissa Mack Photography. We're so grateful that she showed up. There's the team from Apex Automation, our dinner sponsors in the house, making sure that we were able to take as much funding as possible and direct it to the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. So cool to see our friends in there from all different walks of life. We had engineers in the house on the tee box. There's Chad Fletcher, my pal. Love that he got some of his good buddies out. We had the Real Talk hole. That was hole number four. 
Hey, the tunes were pounding. We had Northern Chicken there just beside us. There was the a lot cigars. of action. The yeah, cigars. the cigars, not bad. No big deal. The Casa Turret 1973 torpedoes. Uh, these are our volunteers, thanks to the team at ISL Engineering. Lori in the middle there uh, came in from Devon, Alberta to volunteer. She ended up winning a bottle of Real Talk bourbon oh. for her tweets. She was posting some wonderful photos from the golf course. Our thanks to our friends that made it out there. Uh, the course was playing beautifully. Everybody was having a great time. Of course, there's the team from Reed's Roofing and Insulation. We wouldn't have been able to do this without our sponsors that made sure we could write a big check for the charity. Everybody having fun at the Edmonton Stingers Hole. Sinking three-pointers for prizes. The team at Northern Chicken obviously had everybody slowing down at the seventh tee box to grab a chicken sandwich. I'm not sure how many putts fell on some of these greens. They were tough ones. A lot of familiar faces. That's the Monsma family. Uh, they're all Grand Dog Essentials, quality raw food. Awesome to have them out there joining us. That's David Shore, second from the left, if you're watching on YouTube. That's Julie Rose's husband. And David and his colleagues at ISL Engineering, just absolutely amazing support of this tournament in honor of Julie. Dram in a can. How cool was that? Just another whole sponsorship from Travis Watt and, and his team at PW. US. I love this. So many familiar faces. Craig Strain there, Mark Cardinal. Those are the guys behind the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic that goes every January. Awesome to have them supporting us. Teams like Friesen Brothers we mentioned. We wanted to make sure that there was huge bang for buck for the golfers that paid to be there. Of course, also at the same time, making sure that that scholarship was well-funded. These are our winners here. All right, this is Lane and Dave oh. Sr. and Davis and Keith. They call him Red Bag. They traveled in I from Slave Lake and Cochrane. The out-of-towners came in and won the first ever Real Talk tourney. Of course, it was interrupted by rain, and so we had to come up with a scoring system that worked for everybody. Christine Villanueva, our intrepid uh, tournament director, did an incredible job. That's Kate Gallagher of KMG Events, who showed up to volunteer her time as well. Uh, you can see here, I mean, uh, smiling face after smiling face. Uh, we got rained out like monsoon style. Nobody seemed to care. The team at the ranch did no. an amazing job with the steak dinner. We got under that one tent where I was DJing, oh and gosh. everyone was dancing and eating pizza the and Soho enjoying pizza. cigars and just chatting about the show. It so was... much fun, man. And, of course, all of this in support of the Real Talk Julie Rose Scholarship. It was amazing to have Julie's parents joining us, her cousins, yeah, her siblings uh, chiming in and sending us messages of support, even those that couldn't attend, letting us know how much it meant to know that Julie's life legacy will continue. I'm happy to let you know that uh, thanks to the sponsors and the amazing people, the volunteers and people that showed up to golf, more than $25,000 goes into that scholarship. That scholarship fund now sitting at about 70 grand. It means wow. that every year $5,000 is going to go to a post-secondary student in Canada that's lost a parent to cancer. Now, on June 23rd, the day of the tournament, we also launched the official scholarship applications. So if you know someone that would qualify, someone that fits the bill, so to speak, a, a student that, that is going through all of the challenges that come with post-secondary learning, plus the stress, the heartbreak of losing a parent, we want to direct you to ryanjesperson.com. If you go to the connect link, you'll find it there. Scholarship. And that's how you can apply for this scholarship. Now, the applications close August 1st, so there's less than a month. This is just year one, but we want to make sure that the student, the recipient of year one, is going to know that they have that funding into the month of August. So again, ryanjesperson.com slash scholarship is where you can learn more. Positive Reflections is presented by our friends at Kubi Energy. You can get your free solar quote today 
at kubienergy.ca. Mark your calendars for the second annual Real Talk Golf Classic. It'll go Thursday, June 22nd of 2023. Again, at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. We'll have, uh, of course, sign-up details to come uh, months from now. But make sure you circle that day on your calendar. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk to Joyce Arthur from the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada. We're going to find out the developments in Canada on the heels of that SCOTUS reversal, Roe v. Wade. What is Joyce and her team paying attention to? That'll be part of a continuing conversation. And we're going to talk about that glass cliff that women in politics face. That's coming up Wednesday with political scientist Dr. Lisa Young. We're hoping to do five shows in a row. You won't want to miss this week. We're grateful to have you here with us. Make it a great Monday, Real Talk. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General manager, Katie Cook Shivers. Account coordinator, Lawrence Derlego. Human resources, Lena Shepard. Website design, Mike Johnston. Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman. Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis Settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.